Welcome back to Secret Sauce. This is Toya. And I have Asa back on with me again. Say hi, girl. Hey. Welcome back, boo. So how have you been? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, been doing pretty good. Uh, have my uh, emotions regulated for once. Uh, physically, not completely breaking down. So functioning in about 80, 85%, which is much better than normal. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. All right, so um, anything happening in the news that we want to talk about before we begin our discussion? Uh, (laughs) The only thing I can think of is that Space Force is actually going to be a thing. And while I'm, like, really, really aggravated about all this government spending on space that could be used for, you know, housing, education, a whole universal health care, all kinds of stuff. Right. We're going into into space. I'm pissed off about it, but I'm also, I can't stop laughing at the ridiculousness of it all. Especially since one of the logos I saw is basically um, a cut and paste of the NASA logo with different colors. Oh my God. Yeah, I, it's so bad. It's unfortunate. I mean, first of all, it's called Space Force. Fuck them for that to begin with. But, Facts. No, but it's unfortunate <laughs> that it's the Republicans that are doing this because it's not about exploration. It's more about colonization, uh, defense, and pointing weapons back to Earth. It's just it's, it makes no uh, sense, and I'm pretty sure somebody's there, there's going to be no fail saves somebody's going to hit a button and we're all going to die and you know i've, I've just come to the sure point <laughs> where i've just accepted like the impending doom that is upon us oh, no. and at any moment <laughs> everything can go wrong oh no i can't think like that i cannot think like that girl i don't know how you how do you function when you think like that I don't know. It brings me solace. Like, oh, no. <laughs> like one day it's just gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna end in like a very quick and fiery demise, and I'm I'm ready for it. Wait, that brings you solace? <laughs> yeah, I, girl. I, I guess living with depression for so long, you get you find comfort in some of the most morbid things ever. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah, I can't think like that. I have to be hopeful because if I thought like that, I wouldn't give a dog on about anything, anything. And that that's how I do. That's how I get depressed. I when I get depressed, I just want to sit in the bed, not do anything, just stare into the walls. And uh, if I thought like, girl, no man. <laughs> uh-uh. But it is like this whole administration is depressing. Yeah, this entire it, you have to like at some point you have to just find humor in some of this stuff, even if it's for like a fraction of a second. Yeah, because other than that, like everybody would be going prematurely gray and balding and you know, yeah, high blood pressure, all of that. So yeah. somebody's got to find humor in it somewhere. Yeah, you have to. You you have to somewhere. Yeah, I, I haven't found it routinely. Um. I yeah, that's watching. the difficult part. <laughs> yeah, right. I was watching um, This Is America. Have you seen that yet? 
I think this is called This Is America. Uh, oh, This American Life? No, This Is America with Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, yeah, that is. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Did you see it? Yes. It's so bad, but oh my God. like it, it shows just how inept our government is and oh how stupid the American populace is. Well, well but well, it does make me laugh. <laughs> I couldn't laugh. Okay, so I saw the first two episodes. The first episode, uh, they started with Bernie Sanders. And if you look at Bernie Sanders' face, he's in a literal state of confusion looking at this dude talking to him. He's like, what? As he should be. Right, right. What is happening? How did I get here? What is this guy? You know, the one he had a like a like a mechanical chair and it mm-hmm. was very odd. And I remember looking at, at him and going, I mean, I'm not a Bernie Sanders fan. Right. But I remember thinking, well at least he knows something is up. Right. This is an appropriate response and he probably right. like fired whoever booked him. Fire the fire the experience. So then Ted Koppel, I believe, interviewed mm-hmm. gets interviewed in the second episode and he literally walks off like, "Nah, dude, I don't know what you're on, but I'm out." Right? Right. Okay, cool. But then, now mind you, I live in Georgia. The Georgia representative, did you see that episode episode 2? Yes. Girl, that you know? Girl. was oh my gosh i know all those republicans in georgia are cringing at how stupid he looked i, I don't mean, even know if it's all of them because i feel like some of them uh probably empathize with him or i can't say uh, he would he was he was taking his pants I, down to see the thing is from- i'm a rational human being so no. i wouldn't be able to see how somebody would empathize with that kind of outlandishness but Mm-hmm. Looking at our political landscape and the excuses uh, a lot of Republicans make for other Republicans. No, they haven't been making excuses yeah. for him, though. They, you haven't seen any of them? No. They, <laughs> they could have sworn somebody. I, sworn they were I haven't seen any give him excuses. For the most part, they're trying to figure out how to punish him for what he did. Because oh. he went on the show. He used, you know, the N-word as many times as he could. Mm-hmm. He uh, took his pants down, and the guy was trying to deflect from being gay. Like that was a weapon. He he to figure out if, if someone was a terrorist under a hijab. He put a phone or a uh, camera underneath their clothes to see what they got going on underneath there. Like it could not have been more racist, more homophobic. Like if he tried, I just. And the person that was sitting next to me was cackling. And I remember I was just looking at the screen like, <laughs> I want to die. Like, this is a representative. Are y'all serious right now? Like, ah, uh, yeah. I wish I could find the humor right now. I just have yet to find it. I just can't find it. And also, the makeup on that guy. Come oh, on. my God. Aww. It's always been... Not atrocious, but completely see-through. <laughs> and Ridiculous! Like, you guys, you guys, you're being punked right now. You, you don't, you don't see this? Okay, okay. <laughs> like I, I, like that guy's from the screen. You could tell the makeup is terrible. I can imagine in person, it's gotta look worse. Oh yeah. Uh, Ooh. I just, 
it, it, it threw me. That this is America. I, I, was, I was literally like, well, I'm not watching this again. I <laughs> am thoroughly embarrassed for everyone who sees this. Oh, my God. Yeah, it is. Um, I I can't watch like a whole episode because I get, um, you know, that secondhand embarrassment where it's just like, it starts to get really cringy. It's like, why well, can't finish watching um, Chewing Gum? Because I can't deal with the secondhand embarrassment. So I've only been able to watch clips of the show. I've never seen Chewing Gum. I don't know anything about that show. Everybody loves well, almost everybody seems to love it. If you don't love it, you're in like the crowd with me who can't deal with the secondhand embarrassment. So there is some sort of beeping going on on your end. I'm not sure why. That is. Oh, it seems to have stopped. I think it's. No. That is a construction um, oh. truck. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about that. We'll just keep going. No worries. Yeah. I thought it was something I needed to do. Bad. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Okay. There are p- paving roadways near my apartment, so yeah. Oh, no worries. So chewing gum, what is it about? Uh, it's a British comedy, uh, and it's basically this girl. She's I want to say I guess she's early twenties now. I can't remember her exact age, but she grew up in a really strict religious household and is discovering her sexuality, and it's just one of the most awkward embarrassing shows but it's hilarious as well I just can't make it through an episode like just going straight through an episode because I I, like my heart can't take it wait chewing gum has the black girl as the lead right uh Michaela Cole I believe her name is okay no I've just never I've never gotten around to that show but now you got me scared talking about secondhand embarrassment (laughs) I mean, if you're not, like, super sensitive to it, like I am, then I'll I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> if I can watch someone make an ass of themselves, it's no problem, is what you're saying? Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's the case, I'm in. <laughs> I think it, it's, it's, it's harder for me when it comes to the politics of this country because it's just gotten from real life a uh, hundred to like uh, hell uh, in the past couple of years. And I think that's why it's hard for me to watch that. But a TV show, I probably could watch that. No worries. Oh, yeah. I watch all kinds of crazy stuff on Facebook. So why not? Oh my Facebook. Woo. Ha. Mm. Yeah. I live for uh, some of the things I see on there. So also, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the topic that I wanted to get on today. I wanted to talk a little bit about failure and obstacles and Mm -hmm. not so much that they happen because they happen to everybody, but more so about the way that we react to them and how we respond to them. So I'm going to let you start for that. Okay. So I was thinking after you told me uh, about the, the show premise, I was thinking about it in terms of my two mindsets there's the times when i'm depressed and then the times when i'm you know more clear-headed and everything isn't black and white i can see the the gray area so when i'm depressed like failure is failure it's there is no silver lining or you know motivation that i can find in it 
And that's one of those things, like, there's no talking me out of that, that space. But when I'm not in a depressive episode, I can think of, I can see failures as less as failures and more as learning opportunities. Um, so I consider, um, college one of my failures, even though I did finish with my, uh, my BA Mm -hmm. and it took eight years, but I finished, uh, trying to go back and go to grad school was where I quote unquote failed. But what, when I'm thinking clearly, I'm able to see it's not so much a failure, but it's me realizing that grad school just isn't for me. Taking that path was not the path that I needed to be taking. Um, it wasn't a failure on my part. It was me learning more about myself and what my limitations are and what I actually enjoy. Yeah, but that doesn't sound like a failure. That sounds more like a learning process, honestly. Right. But when I'm depressed, that's a failure because I dropped out of grad school. Oh, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. But I think also that as black women, we kind of get into this mindset where uh, if we don't achieve it, then it's a failure. And yeah. I don't, I don't believe that that's the case. I don't think that that's true. Um, I think we're way too hard on ourselves. Oh, um, absolutely. But, and also there's, you know, the external pressure as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I come from an overachieving family. And when you come from that and you don't, you know, accomplish what you say you are, it, it there comes with a head trip and some guilting attached to it as well. Yeah. Oh, that's very true. Um, I just think that we are harder than society is on us and they've already got us, you know, between two walls as it is. So yeah, I hate that we're so hard on ourselves about that. Um, for, right. for me, the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic, well, one, because I have an interview in this show with Janine, who's a sommelier, mm-hmm. and she talked a little bit about how she failed at one point, but that didn't do anything but inspire her to continue. And um, I, I love that. But also because of me. Um, I, don't, I don't really talk about myself. I, in fact, it is one of my true, uh, <laughs> what do you call it, uh, <laughs> gifts. I will deflect and not talk about myself forever. So I'm going to talk a little bit about me for a few minutes. Because um, I've been doing this show ooh, a little over a year. And mm-hmm. I started the show right in the middle of my divorce, which no one knew about, of course. And then um, met all these really wonderful women, to include yourself, who uh, taught me, you know, some business lessons. And um, I was really inspired by it, um, but I didn't know quite what to do with it. And I'm a very creative person, so I was trying to find a way to use my gifts and make money. And... uh, I've been baking all my life. My mom was a baker. um, And so I had, during all this time, my friends had been asking me to bake them a red velvet cake. And I played with the recipe that I had, and I made it, and I made one. Then I wound up making three. Then I wound up making 12, (laughs) and and so on and so forth. 
to the point where people were asking me if they could buy my cakes. And I was like, well, yeah. And so I found like another recipe and another recipe and people were steady buying things for me. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this is in like October, November timeframe. Maybe I should go into business. So I um, started to create my um, my name and my logo and all that kind of stuff in December. And then did my research on how to start a baking business in, here in Georgia. And um, first thing you learn is that you have to have, well, first of all, there's two levels to having a business in Georgia, a baking business in Georgia or a food business in Georgia. You have to figure out where you're going to do it from. So either you're going to do it from your home or you're going to do it from a commercial kitchen. And if you do it from your home, of course, it's much more restrictive than if you do it from a commercial kitchen. Uh-huh. So thinking small, I said, OK, I'm going to start from my home. So I uh, got a cottage kitchen license where they come into your home, they inspect your house. It's a state. It's a big deal. They inspect your house and they give you a license. I got that. And I was like, well, they always told me that's the first step. Okay. So then I go to my county and my county's like, oh, no, you live in the county, but you live in this particular city. You have to get your license from this city. Uh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's that was that was pain number one. So then I go to the city, which can't be more than 1,500 people. Like, I swear, it's a very small city inside of a very large county. Mm-hmm. And went to them, and they're like, well, you have to have um, paperwork that, or a letter from your landlord, because I live in an apartment complex, that says that you can have a business. That's dumb, but all right. Ooh. Go to my landlord, and my landlord flat out tells me no. And oh. yeah, and I'm like, wait, what? And she said, well, it's a business within a business. And I was like, that's literally the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like, what does that even mean? And I had to go and find my lease. And um, on my lease, it says you can have a business as long as they're not coming to your home. So then I had to go to the corporate office for the corporate office to go back to my landlord and tell them to write me a letter. Okay, obstacle number one completed. So I got the letter, gave it to the city. The city says they need three to four weeks to complete it, which seems awfully long. But remember, I'm in a city with 1,500 people. It's probably only mm-hmm. one person doing all this. So okay, whatever. So three weeks pass. I don't hear anything. I call up there and they say, oh, your your business, Treats and Temptations, yeah, it's been denied. I'm like, why would it be denied? Oh, we don't know. The person who denied it's out the office. Okay. So when will they be back in the office? Um, I mean, they should be in and out within the next couple of weeks. If you leave your email, if you email them and if you um, leave a message, they should call you back. They never did. So days turned into weeks, turned into a couple of months, right? And I'm steady calling, going down there, um, emailing. I'm doing everything I can to figure out why I got denied. Because the fact that I got denied isn't going to stop me. Like, what? You tell me why I got denied. Uh-huh. Finally, they tell me that in their city, even though they're within the state, they don't accept cottage kitchen licenses. Right? Nowhere in their paperwork does it say that. Right. 
nowhere on their website does it say that. <sighs> this is something she tells me. Okay. So I get super depressed, right? Because I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like, mm-hmm. I quit my job at the IRS because, well, because I hated it. <laughs> and <laughs> I have money coming in, but how am I going to be able to do this, right? So I start searching for commercial kitchens. And the reason why a lot of people don't have commercial kitchens in Georgia <laughs> is because the prices are ridiculous. Okay, so the right? person told me, yeah, I'll do it for you, and uh, I'm gonna charge you four forty a week. Oh, no. <laughs> I was uh, thinking you were about to say a month, and I was like, that doesn't. Mm-mm, not a week. Four forty <laughs> a week, my nigga. I said so, fifteen seventy a month. Mm. And he was like, yeah, I mean, you can tell, you can pay it how you want. And I was like, what? Did my what do you mean? Huh? Can I pay in cakes? <laughs> right, right. Um, mind you, this guy doesn't have a. Um, he's not licensed by the state of uh, of Georgia or of agriculture for a shared kitchen. So oh. he's just literally throwing numbers up against the wall. Okay, and so I'm like, nah, I'm not paying fifteen seventy a month. And so I go to, after weeks of trying to figure out how to figure out what kitchens are licensed through the state. Because if you go to a kitchen that's not licensed through the state, then at any time they could take your license away or not even give you one because you're talking about health codes. Right. So I find the list of um, um, kitchens that are approved through the state of Georgia. And I'm, I, I just refuse to give up. Like there's something that's happening within me that's like, oh, fuck you. You're not going to tell me no. Like, absolutely yeah. not. You're not going to tell me no. So I go through this list, and one of them says, yeah, you pay $1,500 for six months' worth of use. Okay. Okay. That's 50 hours for six months. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. So I'm paying $1,500 for eight hours a month in the kitchen. What? It's only for a six-month contract. And $500 of that money is a non-refundable deposit. See? And I know my head, I felt like my head was going to bust. Because remember, this is a list from the state of of Georgia. The list ain't long. It's Mm -hmm. maybe 25 kitchens spread throughout Georgia. So like Ooh. eight of those kitchens are in places like Macon. I'm nowhere near Macon. Augusta. Mm-hmm. I'm nowhere near Augusta. You know, places that are like an hour to two hours away. I'm nowhere near. So I literally have a list of maybe like 15 that I can get my kitchen through. Okay. The next <sighs> one I call says, oh, it's 440 a month. Okay. Or 450 a month. Okay. Plus fifty dollars a month for the refrigerators. Wait, wait, wait! I didn't ask to use yeah. refrigerators. Yeah. Fifty fifty dollars a month for storage. I didn't ask. To use uh, storage. Plus a thousand for a um. Let's just say a deposit. Another seven hundred dollars for an annual fee. And I. Uh... <laughs> I was like. How do I make money? Because remember, you're starting from behind the, the 
you're starting from behind zero to right. do this. Like, how do you make money um, with these prices? And I remember going and calling people and just getting more and more depressed. Like, how am I going to do this? Where is this money going to come from? Like, I, I have been really successful in selling my goods, and people love them. But if you can't sell them, if you can't get the word out, like, these people that love it, I'm only selling to them. I'm selling to them without a license, which is dangerous, right? So mm-hmm. I'm like, I've got to figure out a way to get my commercial kitchen. Because a commercial kitchen means that, okay, a cottage kitchen means you could sell to an individual. So right now I have my cottage kitchen license. I can sell individually, but I'm not licensed through my city. So that's a problem. But with a commercial kitchen, you can sell to stores and restaurants and online. It's It, it just opens up for you. When yeah. you have a commercial kitchen. So how am I going to get the word out there about what it is I do? I can't market. I can't do anything until I have this commercial kitchen. And I called this one lady after these, this list of people telling me no or people basically saying no with these prices that they're giving me. She says, yeah, it's like 250 a month and a 250 deposit. And I was like... Holy shit. <laughs> I finally found someone that was reasonable, but that only came after I kept being told no and no and feeling like a failure and no and no and no and and oh, I can't tell people about what I do. I can't post it on Facebook. I can't post it on Instagram. You know, I can't really um, flourish until I get this resolved. And mm-hmm. yeah, so now I have my commercial kitchen. right and um i also found someone that get in georgia you have to have a million dollar uh insurance policy which has been to me Mm -hmm. so i have that and after all that what was crazy was i i realized the other day that i was working with someone who works at the um the brand new falcon stadium Mm. who might be able to get me in with restaurants there since I have my commercial yes! yeah. awesome yeah and so I wanted to talk about um, failures and obstacles because I know I'm not the only person going through this right and I wanted to just tell people that persistence really run really one with this like if I let myself get into my head too much, I would I would never be in the position I am now where I'm able to do everything that I want to do to the point where it's kind of overwhelming mm-hmm. how much I'm able to do now versus what I was able to do before. Um, persistence and um, just the fight. Like what I'm learning is to have a business, to live really, especially in yeah. this world. But to have a business means that you have to be willing to fight for it and yes. not listen to any no's. Um, and so I just hope that that helps someone feel like um, they can still do it. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that got probably one or two no's and said, well, I guess it's not for me. I mm-hmm. guess I need to quit. And I'm just, I just wanted to pe- let people know that if you keep pushing, it'll happen. Right. And 
I'm going to pause this right now because I want you to, or I want our listeners to hear the interview that I did with Janine, who um, is a sommelier here in the state of Georgia. And she talks a little bit about uh, how her failure gave her success as well. All right, so hold on one moment. We're going to go ahead and play that interview. Welcome back to Secret Sauce. This is Toya. And I am here with Janine. Say hi, Janine. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. So Janine is a sommelier. And right. I thought it would be wonderful for us to get to know her, find out a little bit about what she does, and um, yeah, learn a little bit about uh, why she does it. So Janine, explain what a sommelier is to begin with. Um, so a sommelier uh, or a sommelier is someone who is a wine professional, very, very basic. Um, there's different certifications that you could go through to be uh, certified as one. Um, the Court of Master Sommelier is who I went through. So uh, in 2015, I was uh, certified as a sommelier. Uh, so I can educate, I can sell wine, I can serve it, all the good things that are needed. Okay, and so why did you become a Somalia? Uh, selfishly, selfishly to make more money as a server on the floor um, because I knew that I could make more money selling bottles of wine, but I wasn't really educated on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked at a very wine-centric restaurant um, in Inman Park that I had, to, I had to figure it out pretty quickly. Um, so I started blind tasting wine, which is not usually the route you go, but I thought it was interesting to see people try to figure out what wine is just by smelling and tasting it. So that is how I started to educate myself about wine because I wanted to know more about what I was drinking with this group. Um, plus it made me more money as a server. And then as, we, as I became a bartender, uh, you could have the full experience at the bar, which, you know, on a busy night and you're waiting for a table, you really don't want to have dinner at the bar. But if you can have the same magical experience at the bar as you would sitting at a table, then I, it, 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 you know, it works. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to make more money. And here I am. I sell wine now retail wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm out of the not really out of the service game. I still work one day a week to sell wine on the floor. Uh, but for the most part, I sell wine in a retail sense. Okay. So just to give everyone a heads up, of course, we're in Georgia, and we both work for the same company. Um, mm-hmm. You work the retail side of um, our business, and I work in actual the food industry part. So yeah. I understand exactly where you're coming from on both sides. Uh-huh. Um, so to become a sommelier, how long is that process? Uh, it takes you as long as it takes to learn and as much as you want to learn. Uh, with me, I, I took the certified test twice. Clearly, I didn't pass the first time. Um, so it took me another year before I could retake the test. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I say I started learning about wine probably in 2000 and probably 12 or 13 is when I started blind tasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, didn't pass in 14, but passed in 15 and the same week got the job with, uh, the company. Uh, so I, I saw the benefits very quickly. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I'm going to put a pin in what you just said. You said something about being persistent and even if you fail, you continue Uh to press on. 
and go towards your dreams. Yes. I think that's wonderful. I want to come back to that. But before we go there, so are there a lot of sommeliers in Georgia? There, there's a there's a good amount, um, and, and with the different levels, uh, there are different. Uh, I guess, uh, well, there's different levels of sommeliers, so there could be maybe a thousand uh, intro sommeliers around. This that's past, you know, the level one. Mm-hmm. There's four levels okay. uh, of certified. There's probably a good maybe who knows maybe three or four hundred, probably less than that. That's a, that's a big number. Okay. Uh, now, when you get into the advanced. And into the masters, there's only one master psalm in the state of Georgia, and his name's Michael McNeil. Uh, he works for a distributor here as an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as advanced, which is the third level, uh, I can only think of maybe a handful, literally five. Um, but there's definitely more certified psalms in the city um, than I can count. Def- I think 400 is a big number. I'm guessing maybe 100, because okay. uh, I can think of about 20 in my head right now. So, Okay. Yeah. And- Uh, But small numbers. Okay, so it's not that many people that are educated on wine like that. Not as many. Definitely not as many of uh, faces of color either. Um, Mm -hmm. In in the sense of all levels, I can probably think of a handful, literally a handful of people uh, that have some sort of certification or don't even have a certification and work in wine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I know more people in that sense uh, that have that are of color than anything. Okay. So how many black women do you say are sommeliers in Georgia? Do you think? Four or five. Wow. I would say, I, I, I would, I hope 10. Um, I, 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 guess, <laughs> I can think of I, five in my head right now, just off the bat, but I would, I hope that there's more. I hope that there's 10. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've definitely met uh, many women in, in passing, but mm-hmm. usually with um, with the wine industry and I guess with with trade shows, you see the same people all the time. So mm-hmm. uh, those are those are the faces that I know. And if there's there's any more, you know, there maybe they're outside of the city or they're in another, you know, maybe Savannah or Athens or another bigger bigger entity in Georgia. Uh, but small market in Atlanta that I know of. Either way, it's rare. It's very rare. Um, and I don't know if it comes with what the wine industry, uh, the perception of the wine industry is. It's just this male-dominated uh, industry where you never really see faces of color. You know, there's not many African-Americans that make wine, um, let alone, you know, educate others in it. Uh I mean, you, you want to learn anything that you want to learn about, you know, and I'm not sure why wine is not the the, the thing for everyone to do. But I, but if you're passionate about anything, you'll put your all into it. So um, there are those that that, you know, have master psalm degrees and and are African-American and, and I look up to them and I want to, you know, follow in those those leads. But you really just have to find your own place in in what you want to do with wine with me I just want to educate and I want people to be comfortable um so making wine and uh uh being a a farmer or you know growing vines is nothing that I ever want to do (laughs) I never want to work in a fine dining establishment with white tablecloth linen and, and serve these 
hundred thousand, these thousand dollar bottles of wine that I'll probably never taste or see, mm-hmm. uh, or really care about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so with me, I just, you know, found my niche in the wine world and, and just, you know, do the best in, in that portion of the program. Okay. I can respect that. So, yeah. um, tell me about your favorite wine. Uh, I really never answer this question because <laughs> I don't have a favorite wine. Okay. However, I have I have uh, parameters I'll mm-hmm. say that I look for. Um, I do have a favorite place, which is Loire Valley. So uh, okay. in France, you treat France as the corners. Uh, this is kind of northwest. Um, so anything in that area, I, I can get down with. But I usually go with wines that have little to no oak. Um, personally, because I have an oak allergy. Okay. Um, and I would like to not feel stuffy after I drink. Um, plus I like organics, um, and biodynamics, which is taking organic to a different holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're drinking cleaner wine, uh, which makes you feel better the next day. Got it. So just those two things I won't even throw like Loire Valley doesn't have to always be it, but as long as there's no oak involved, and it's organic or some sense, uh, I can get down. So you're talking about like, for instance, one of the ones that traditionally have oak in it is Chardonnay, right? Correct. So you're talking about using things that have steel barrel instead of oak barrels. Yeah. And a lot of people, um, I mean, in Chardonnay drinkers, you're either a California style, big oaky buttery style, or you're considered what I, what I call the dry Chardonnay drinkers, which means that you don't really like oak. You actually like uh, Chardonnay from France, specifically Chablis, which usually doesn't see time in an oak barrel as much as um, its other counterparts in Burgundy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that style I like. Um, you've got Chardonnay and I've got Chardonnay in Italy in the store. You know, we've had, we have Chardonnay from Slovenia. So, you know, it's just so many different places and do different things and producers are all subjective to, you know, what they want to do with their wine. Um, but you're definitely starting to see a lot of people experiment, Mm -hmm. um, with grapes and you're starting to see more organics and more biodynamics because it's, it's just the same trend as we want with our food. We want to eat, you know, what's healthy and what's good for us. We don't, you know, we want things to be treated fair. Um, and, they feel the same way as far as vines go. You know, a lot of people think, oh, well, it's just, it's just grape juice, you know, fermented. But there's a lot of things in wine that should not be there in specific places. Um, and we try to stay away from those styles, you know, those, some, most of those styles uh, in our wine shop. And we focus a lot on organics uh, and biodynamics. So, hmm. Okay. All right, so one question that I get, because I'm a bartender, um, yeah. when it comes to people drinking wine, um, normally people that don't know wine stick to the wine they know, right? And mm-hmm. oftentimes it's wine that has a lot of sugar in it, and people want to go to a red, say, but they always feel like the red is too too bitter is a good word that they usually say. Um yes. And they asked me, the question that they asked me is, how can they um, get it to taste better, a red wine? And I, my, the advice that I was given a long time ago is to stop drinking the sweet stuff. I mean, that's, that's really the only way 
that I've ever been taught. It, do you have um, an idea for people that want to go into, you know, your stronger reds, like your Malbacs and stuff and such, but have a hard time because they're drinking wine that's sweeter? That's you know, sweeter, like, yeah. Like Moscato and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is a very hard transition um, mm-hmm. because most restaurants will have uh, what's traditional. Um, so Cabernet, Merlot, Malbec, Pinot Noir, all of those wines are considered dry. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like to talk about with sweetness is you either, well, I guess in this case, since they're drinking Moscato, they want sugar sweetness. Um, but we really forget about fruit sweetness as well. Um, so in the case of wines that come from uh, what they consider the new world, which is anything that's outside of Europe, mm-hmm. um, the focus is more on sun and how much sunlight can I get. Um, so what that does is it ripens your grapes so that you have really ripe sugar. Um, mm-hmm. And that sugar is then fermented into a dry wine. Usually these wines will have a little bit higher in content in alcohol. Um, but, uh, there's not many places that will leave sugar over, uh, in red wines. Most, some places do, especially in the new world, there's just going to be some that's left over, but it's usually masked with, um, you know, oak treatment or, or tannin from the skin because it's a red wine. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, one place I like to go is to Italy. Um, you know, they're already there trying something like Lambrusco is a nice option it still has the same, you know, bubbles as Moscato does, mm-hmm. uh, but it's an, a naturally, you know, sweeter, red, bubbly wine. Um, and they leave sugar over. Plus, it has tannin like red wine does because the wine is made for the heartier food in that area. So it's a good food wine. And it's um, honestly one of the only wines that is red that has the same level of sugar. Okay. Um, but I try to, to, to go into the new world. Like, I'll give them... California Cabernet, something that just has a lot of fruit to it. Um, I'll probably stay away from a wine that has a lot of oak because mm-hmm. that adds to that bitter feeling, that tannin feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there are some Malbecs that we have from Argentina that don't have oak that are just what I call fruit bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some wines from California that are fruit bombs. Um, it, it just goes with knowledge, you know, and, and I can't expect everyone to know about that. Um, which is why I do what I do. You know, I want everybody to be comfortable with wine. Um, but look for the fruit bombs. That's what I say. Okay. <laughs> stay away from stay away from France. Um, stay away from like the the Italian wines um, because they're going to give you all the earth first. Um, you know, there are some places, warmer places that can give you good fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sweet wine drinkers should transition into. You know, maybe going into Lambrusco and then maybe going into some, um, I like Malbec and Cab as a nice, easygoing fruit style. But oak is is usually uh, the one thing that they want to stay away from. Okay. Okay. Um, And when you say tannin, will you describe what tannins are so people understand that? Tannin is that feeling of your mouth drying out. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like you're drinking iced tea. Um, it is, uh, usually balanced out with acid. So a wine that has tannin should have acid because 
what's the point of just dry your mouth out? That's, that's disturbing. <laughs> um, so, so that feeling can come from oak, uh, mm-hmm. which you see in, you know, examples of California Cabernet or, uh, you know, in some cases of, of Malbec uh, or Tempranillo from Spain. Mm-hmm. And it can come from skin as well. So when you're making red wine, you have, if it has that drier feeling because you have tannin coming from two levels Whereas with white wines, they always feel a little bit crisper and uh, fresher because there's no tannin from the skin. But in the case of Chardonnay, um, best example, you may get a very soft feeling of dryness from your mouth because of their presence of oak, depending on what kind of oak they use. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that helps out a lot. So it's almost like the, the puckering up. When you um, when you're describing a tannin, that's what you're talking about, like the. I think the pucker is more like acid. Well, I guess the pucker. Um, uh, I've seen it both ways. Like mm-hmm. some people, like the pucker to me is tartness, so that I get that from acid. Got it. But like the the dry, the smacking, the ooh, that's that's the move that I that I hear a lot of. Okay, so you don't like it to be too dry, yeah. Uh, when you pucker up then and you have a wine that has a lot of acid, it just makes you salivate. Like it's just like thirst quenching, just what is going on. It's just a rush mm-hmm. of everything in your mouth. Um so yeah. Okay. All right, so tell me what it is you like about being a Somali. Besides the education, I I hear you say that. Do you um like introducing people to newer wines or newer experiences? I do enjoy that. Um, I think I like the level of trust that you can get from someone uh, when, you know, you help them find what they're looking for. Because there are a lot, I mean, everybody drinks wine and there are very few that can describe what they like mm-hmm. um, and those that can describe what they like to a professional like myself where you go into a, a smaller wine shop where you can talk to somebody, you will, fi- you will get results. You will find so many more wines that you're more open to trying than just going into a larger store where, you know, you may or may not find someone that's as knowledgeable, you know, and you're kind of just out there on your own. Um, and what, what you do is you just start to, to try the same wine from different people and from different places because you know the grape. Um, but sometimes the place is, is actually what you like and not the grape. Um, so I like to do that. I like playing the game of, of let's put a bunch of things together that I like and see if you have a wine that fits that. Uh, I get that a lot. I'll ask, you know, oh, what kind of, do you like, do you like red fruit? Do you like blueberries? Do you like, you know, oh, I don't like this. I don't like chocolate. I don't like tobacco. Mm-hmm. I like this, you know, so I like to play that game and, and to introduce people. Um, but for the most part, I, I like making people feel comfortable about what they're drinking. Um, so making it comfortable to ask questions without feeling dumbed down or feeling like you have just you know wasted someone else's time um i know a lot of sommeliers that have that act that way like why are you asking me this question don't you know this you know no they don't know that not everybody knows what we know and it's my job and our job as sommeliers to um you know transfer that knowledge to someone else in a way that helps them make that makes sense and it makes them comfortable you know mm-hmm. 
so that's really it. I just want people to be just as comfortable with wine as I am um, because it's a big business. It's not going anywhere. Um, just like people have to eat, they got to drink as well. And some people choose to drink beer and alcohol and some people or, or spirits and some people choose to drink wine. And for those people, uh, I'm going to make them experts in what they like. And they'll always, you know, they'll always know what they want. No, but that's really good because um, a lot of people only drink beer and liquor, from my experience, because they don't mm-hmm. understand wine. So they don't True. know what they're drinking, so they'll stick to what they know, you know, instead of exploring. So someone like you would be really helpful in helping them learn, you know. On the weekends, and uh, it's hard to convert red wine drinkers to uh, or commit to a, a, a white wine tasting, you know, because I know that these two styles are very different and white wine drinkers want something that red wine drinkers don't. Uh, so for us to convert, you know, a group of 10 people that are just like, I don't know, you know, we're just, we're red wine drinkers. We're really looking for some red wine right now for them to say, you know what, let's sit down and let's do this and let's get educated. Like that's a big deal to us. Um, because they easily could have walked to, they could have walked across the street and got some red wine, you know? Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. but, uh, moments like that, you know, is, that's what, that's what it's about. Yeah, that's great. Um, education would probably be the number one thing that I would want from someone who is a sommelier because you mm-hmm. guys have so much knowledge that I just don't have the capability of researching. So I really appreciate someone like you helping me figure it out. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in the next five years? Where do you see you taking yourself as a Somali? Uh, man, uh, I really enjoy, I mean, I really enjoy the retail space. Uh, I think our, I, I think our retail space is very different from any other. Uh, so if that could be recreated somewhere else, I mean, I would love to be in charge of, of that entity. Um, but, you know, continuing with education, um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, not, I'm never sure about what's going to happen because I know that testing is in the future. Um, okay. I'll apply for advanced uh, course through the Court of Samaye in November. And if I get accepted, that's great. I can test the following year. If I don't, I'll probably get waitlisted or, or not again. And I'll end up going a, a different route and I'll go. Uh, probably the WSET, which is a wine and spirits education trust, uh, which is more education based to get certified as a sommelier. Um, so just to add some more credentials um, to myself, that's probably the main goal for the next 12 months for sure. Um, but who knows? I really hope that the, we can recreate uh, our wine shop somewhere else mm-hmm. um, so that uh, another city can benefit from what we do and the education that we provide. So I know that the company that we work for, there is the wine restaurant, basically the restaurant that that services wine, the restaurant Mm -hmm. of men, which is more of like a, like a beachy type of theme. And then Mm -hmm. your wine shop that you have do, I'm not sure if they have a wine shop at every location or is this the only one that we are the first. Yeah. We're the first and only retail wine shop. Uh, for the company. And for the most part, we, we carry wines from all over the world. Um, uh, and we focus uh, mostly on Spanish wine uh, and wines from South America. Right. So uh, you can find 
more wines in our shop than on the restaurant list. Mm-hmm. Um, but we try to carry uh, as many of both restaurants' wines as possible because if you enjoy it there, well, why not come right next door, you know, and buy it, which is which is great. Um, so it's, it's a lovely symbiotic relationship that we have in our neighborhood, you know, um, a, a lovely trifecta. So oh, yeah. uh, it's like a full it's like a full experience, you know, even after coming um, from the same, you know from next door somebody can come in and like oh i had this lovely savion blanc you know next door i'm like oh yeah i got that it's right here mm-hmm. yeah that's great you i know? didn't know that that was the only one that we had it um, is yeah so i hope that we can uh I, you know duplicate it in a, uh, it, it has to be the right place you know it can't just be anywhere and it doesn't necessarily i actually it has to be close to another location mm-hmm. but like, I, I just think that it, it just has to be the right city, a city that's excited and wants to learn more about wine and a city that's open to. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know what city that is yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah though, that's exciting, though. Yeah. It's exciting. So earlier we talked a little bit about how you didn't pass the first test, but you didn't let that stop you. And you went on to pass the second test. Mm-hmm. What made you so persistent on doing that? <laughs> Probably because I'm Aries and I just have to have my way. Like I just had to have it. <laughs> um, no, I just know. Uh, I knew that it was it, it. It was something that I wanted. It was something that I wanted, and I didn't get it the first time. So what it does is it just it just fuels my fire, and it makes me study more, and it makes me uh, want to be a you know better at my craft so the only way that I was going to get that pin was to pass the test so you you got to get down you got to buckle down and study and like I said you learn about anything as much as you want to learn about it and you know for others it takes a little bit longer um you know than some Mm -hmm. but uh for me it's just you know you don't want to cram a bunch of knowledge into your head at one time to try to pass the test you want to try to apply it in ways that make sense and stick forever. So, you know, it takes a little bit longer for me to, to take things in because I take things in instead of trying to cram them in my head. So muscle memory, I always say you're training a bunch of muscles at the same time when it comes to wine, especially with tasting. Um, it's knowledge of knowledge of land. It's knowledge of grapes. Um, it's a feeling that you always get, you know, so it's a lot of things that have to come into play. Um, and you kind of have to train them and it takes a little bit longer for me. So it took me another year. Um, I could have passed, I could have, you know, applied sometime, you know, I took the test in April. I could have applied in October and tried to take it again, but I just was like, no, I'm going to take a year and, you know, really buckle down and, and really get everything in motion. And when I took the test the second time, it was very fluid. It, I felt very confident. And I, there was no doubt that I wasn't, you know, going to walk out without a pen. So sometimes it just takes a little bit longer to, to get that confidence. I got you. You know, I yeah. um, went through that similarly with my business this week. So I um, respect anyone that doesn't give up because like where you how are you going to win if you if you give up when something's hard or something, some sort of obstacle comes Very in your way. So I respect that. Very true. Okay. So, we talked about this earlier. I don't know if you got it yet. 
but I need <laughs> your black woman shout out. Hmm? I will. Yes. Uh, I think when you, when you can't think of someone like right off the bat, of course, I go to family first. Okay. So Perfect. I'm going to shout out all the women in my family, my aunts. Um, I'm getting names, Serena, Dawn, Marion, um, my crew, my, my core ladies, all their daughters, all my cousins, uh, my grandmother who's in New York, who just turned 90. Oh, wow. Uh, this week. wow. Um, so just, and she looks great. Like she looks fantastic. Um, oh, so women of my family, uh, I'm shouting you all out today. Um, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you gave us some really good knowledge about wine, and uh, that was fantastic. I wish you all the success in your career. Hey, thank you. Same to you as well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, welcome back, everyone. So, yeah, so what do you think about persistence and um you know, just never giving up the fight that you have to have in order to to either build a business or just live the, our daily lives. Um, I, I, I'm of two thoughts uh, for that. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I believe to keep fighting the good fight, be persistent. If it's something that is really within your heart to do and it's not something that other people are saying, this is what you should do. This is what you're good at. Um, this is what I think is good for you. Now, other times, it's certain you have to pick your, your fights and you have to pick your battles. And sometimes it's just like, you know what? I'm going to let the universe have this one because it wasn't meant for me. Now, what's not meant for you is really up to you. Um, yeah. Sometimes only you can decide that. Yeah. Only you can decide that it's, if it's really, if it's something that would take more from you than it would give back, then I think it's okay to, you know, not follow through on something like that. Um, or it could it could really be anything like whether it be a business, uh, going to school, um, uh, relationships, like it's really dependent upon you and you knowing yourself and what you really want so that you can weigh what's worth fighting for and what can be left behind. Yeah. But once you figure out what's worth fighting for, don't stop mm -hmm. fighting for it is my point. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's like it, we wouldn't be where we, I mean, we'd be a lot further downhill <laughs> if there were people that stopped fighting um, for what they believe in, what, like in terms of social justice, because they heard one too many no's or got one too many um, bad vibes or negative reactions to what they were doing. So if it's within your heart, keep at it. Um, and no amount of other people's input should deter you from your personal goals. I know it's hard 
it's much easier said than done to block out other people's negative input, but it is definitely something that you should work on. I know um, that's something that took a, a really long time for me to to get past, and I still struggle with it. Um, but it's something that we should all work on is listening to our own internal voices of positivity and encouragement and not let other people's idea of what we should be influence uh, how we move about our lives. But I'll say this, when you are fighting for something that you believe in, you'll figure out real quick if it's something that you believe in or not. Oh, that's very true. You'll figure it out real quick because the fight that I had to fight for this business just it took a lot out of me mm-hmm. but um, I knew that my business if people could just taste what I make my success will be off the charts um, yep and I enjoy doing it it's something that I love to do uh, it's nothing like putting a smile on someone's face and what I do put smiles on people's faces so when I was fighting for the business, I was like, you know, I was having these internal talks with myself. Like, do you want to do this? Are you sure this is what you want to do? Is it worth ruffling feathers? Is it worth looking people in the face and telling them, no, you're not going to tell me no. Is it worth fighting this person? And it was for me. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It was for me. So I feel like if you um, are in a place and you're not sure, if this is something that you want to do, um, try to fight for it and see how that turns right. out. And also, like, one thing I, I would say is sometimes it's not the exact, it's not the right time. You can always go back to this. Mm-hmm. If, if it's something isn't working out and um, you're getting all the no's, you're getting nothing but... Um, bad responses or just having really bad luck it's okay to take a break step back reevaluate and come at it from a different angle a little later on yeah yeah i mean that's true you go ahead and get your um strategy up and then come back Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to do that as well yep but yeah i just wanted to tell people that it's okay to fail and obstacles are um, are going to come. And really, the best thing that you can do is um, it's not so much about the failures or the obstacles. It's really about how you um, address them and how mm-hmm. you react to them. Because yep. if you let them get you down, you won't be able to get anywhere near the goals that you have for yourself. So. And uh, also to, to elaborate on that, it's okay to get down about, uh, you know, obstacles you face. It's just a matter of getting back up. Yeah, that's how you react yeah. to it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely okay to, to feel, you know, um, beat up by whatever is obstacles that are, are it, that you're facing. But, you know, as long as you get back up, that's what really matters. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping this up. All righty. Do you have a black woman shout out for today? I would say my black woman shout out for um, today would be Feminista Jones. 
She's actually a really close friend of mine, but also just uh, an amazing person all around. Uh, She does have a book that is for pre-order right now, and it comes out uh, early next year. Uh, So I would just like to give my Black woman shout-out to her because she's been one of the the most supportive people in my life um, for the past couple of years, and she's talked me through some really, really low points. So that's where my Black woman shout-out goes to. What's the name of her book? I actually have to go look it up now because I have a terrible memory. No worries. While you're looking up, I'll go over mine. Um, I'm not sure if you watch Insecure. Of course. Yeah, but Insecure comes back this Sunday. And so my black woman shout out is Issa Rae. Um, Ooh. Yeah, Issa Rae is really interesting to me because, you know, she started a, a YouTube series called Awkward Black Girl. And from there. Loved it. <laughs> was able I to it. grow her television series with HBO and I know that she has a bunch of other stuff in production that she's got going on but yeah shout out to her I mean she's only 33 and for her to have this much success um, at her young age is amazing and uh, I love that show it's a great show for people to discuss to have a black a bunch of black women on the screen in different types of black women that she has on her screen or in her show. Uh-huh. It's it's a great show, but it's really nice to see us reflected on it. Um, and I always have fun watching that show, and I wish her nothing but the best. So, definitely my black woman shout out for this week. Did you figure out her book? Yes. I don't know. It was on the tip of my tongue. It's Reclaiming Our Space. And you can pre-order it on Amazon or reclaimingourspace.com. Is this her first book? This is her first book published by outside of herself. She self-published two other books. Okay, so it's not her first book, but it's her first... uh, Um, One with a major publishing house, yes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, okay, so tell people how they can reach out and touch you. So you can reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Lithium to Lashes. Uh, you can also become a patron to my Patreon. And if you go to Patreon and search Lithium to Lashes, I will pop up. Uh, on the Patreon, I do have a mix of different types of posts. I've gotten into creative writing as well. So that's been fun. And uh, there's various tiers that you can um, join. And for some of them, you do get some benefits. I give a complimentary 20-minute makeup consultation for people that are new to makeup, looking to try stuff out. And I also will give you a very detailed list of products from high end to low end. Um, that I created that are great for beginners. You know, we need to do that show. Oh, uh, yes. Our Beauty on a Budget show, yes. The Bargain Bin show. We really need to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, y'all know I'm on the MTR Network. If you guys want to get in touch with me, it's latoya.foster at mtrnetwork.net. Um, if you have a black woman shout out, if you have something to say about the show, if you have a question, just hit me. Uh, I, 
I answer that one as often as I can. Um, and there's other shows on our network that are fantastic, uh, like the UD Pod by D Palm or um, Insanity Check by Chris. Love that show. So, uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, let us know. Um, our Twitter, or my Twitter handle is uh, Secret Sauce at NTR Network. Is that, is that how I do Twitter? I, I don't know. How to do <laughs> Look, I am not good with the tweets, man. Uh, I stick to okay. Facebook and Instagram. That's, that's where I'm at. As far as my business goes, um, name my business is Treats and Temptations. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Treats, the letter N, and Temptations. I definitely have some of my things posted there. And, yeah, um, follow me. And thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Secret Sauce. If you want to email me, my email is latoya.foster at mtrnetwork.net. And you could suggest a person to come on the show if you have any questions, if you have any concerns. Um, feel free to hit me up on that email. Um, also, you can follow us on MTR Network on Twitter. And there's always updates and um, show information on the network there for you to check out. Um, this week on our show or on our network, we have um, the Super Tuesday recap that the ladies did on Cloak and Dagger. Um, character Corner, they did a character corner on S.H.I.E.L.D. and Jonathan Hickman. And then Unanimous Decision did a AFC and NFC preview. Thanks for listening. Bye.